Okay. All right. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Scott here. I'm just hanging out in the studio. We just got done recording. Awesome evening with uh, Ed, Megan, and the New York Patriot from the Occult Rejects podcast. So we're going to try and get that episode out tomorrow. Um, Yeah, super great conversation. Like uh, we got into some wild stuff. And uh, yeah. So anyway, and then, oh man, we got some amazing episodes coming out this next week, you guys. Like, oh my God. Just hang tight. Hang tight. We got some like uh, Mount Rushmore level guests coming. So just hang tight. But uh, anyway, I wanted to follow up, kind of chat with you guys because uh, the other night I was on uh, the Union of the Unwanted. And, uh, you know, shout out to Charlie Robinson over at Macroaggressions Podcast. Uh, shout out to Ricky Verandas at the Ripple Effect Podcast. Sam Tripoli, of course, at the uh, Tinfoil Hat Podcast. And uh, Mike at the OBDM Podcast, the guys that facilitate that awesome show. Uh, any of you out there that aren't down with the Union of the Unwanted, uh, it's a, just, a, you know, just a wonderful, amazing show. So I really highly recommend it to anybody. Um, that's not that's not on board with it. So, um Anyway, so what we were doing is we were originally like the, what I was talking about was uh, this idea of anarchy, right? The idea of like, which is, you know, I'm just starting to dive into and learn about myself here, you know, and it's basically the idea of what would it be like to live in a world without authority, without government? Because right now we're all in this insane world where it's like, you know, I, this government thing ain't working. This ain't working for me at all. You know, this ain't working for me at all. And so what what are some other solutions, you know? And so one of the things that uh, I've been really diving into is uh, uh, the Conscious Resistance Trilogy. Okay, now this book, I had the fortunate, I had the opportunity to meet Derek Bros, one of the authors of this book up in Portland. And, uh, you know, he, I've been following his work for a while, but uh, he has uh, done an excellent job of just kind of like opening my mind and waking me up to a lot of of different things in, involving this. And I've got a lot of different avenues to go on from this book, you know, a lot of uh, extra reading and different resources to look into, but um, man, why is this not working, dude? Of course, of course, of course. All right, screw it. Well, we'll just, we'll just make this an Instagram live. I don't know. Cause it seems to be not working on this and I don't want to waste your guys' time, but um you know, some of the topics that we were, you know, I'm just going to kind of read some out of this book a little bit. And I really hope that all of you guys take the time to go pick this book up and read it. Um, this is the, uh, there's three books total in here. Um, the first book um, is called Book One, Reflections on Anarchy and Spirituality. The second one is um, <clears throat> uh, Finding Freedom in an Age of Confusion, which really goes into uh, different you know, philosophical approaches and, and, and just the different er, like, like different religious interpretations of what anarchy is and how it's cropped up throughout history. And then right now I'm just going down the book three, which is called the manifesto of the free humans, which is just a fascinating book. And then just the first chapter, you know, I really want to read this, <laughs> at least some of this first chapter, you guys, it's so amazing. So the first chapter is called a strategy for defeating the state. Okay. So chapter one, overcoming the fear of freedom. So anarchy, it might be the most feared and propagandized term in existence. This public has an extremely distorted perception of the word and most seem to be terrified of removing authority from their lives and allowing for self-organization. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, what would it be like? Like we've all grown up in this world, whether it was our parents, the schools, everything. Like the idea of there having to be an authority figure in place is almost imperceivable it's hard to conceptualize a world or a reality where there's no authority figure it's hard to even have that conversation 
In fact, it's actually extremely rare for serious discussions of this topic to happen due to the knee-jerk reactions that are provoked when individuals are presented with the possibility of a world without authority. However, once one is able to find the courage to step beyond social convention and question the control systems they were born into, they will find the real that real anarchy is usually nothing like the doomsday fiction presented by mainstream culture, right? So we have all these ideas of what anarchy is, you know, whether that be you know, Antifa, right? Antifa smashing windows like they're like, that's anarchy, right? The idea of just lawlessness, recklessness, um, chaos, crime, you know, just everyone just victimizing each other. Like that's, I think what has been perpetuated as the idea of what anarchy is. Um, when in fact the, the, this is proposing a whole different, uh, per perspective on that, you know, when looking deep enough into this situation, it becomes clear that the serious problems facing our species, such as war, poverty, and environmental destruction are all exacerbated, if not created, by the legitimized monopoly on force made possible by government. Ironically, these problems are always cited as the reasons to keep the state intact, when in reality it is the state that is creating the problems in the first place, right? So there's that cognitive dissonance. It's hard to get past the idea of, you know, well, if, if, if we got rid of the government, then there would just be lawlessness and wars and, and chaos and destruction and, and environmental stuff and poverty, you know, but when you look at it, it's the government that's doing all that shit. <laughs> For centuries, those who reap benefits from the concept of authority have worked tirelessly to keep this idea alive. The parasite class has fought against the rising tide of human ingenuity, which has been progressively tearing away from the destructive traditions and control mechanisms of the past. Unfortunately, Every time humanity has managed to overcome one oppressive tradition, the ruling class has been able to modify their propaganda to form a more convincing case for their authority. So, you know, throughout history, as soon as one system of oppression gets overthrown, you just automatically bring in and replace it with a different system of oppression, right? And, and there's something that's, you know, you get eight years of George Bush and you're like, oh, thank God, let's throw him out and throw in Barack Obama. And then eight years of that. And it's like, oh, let's throw in Donald Trump and everything's going to be fixed. Right. Of course. So those aren't like what we call like overthrowing of a system. But you know what I mean? Like it's the same thing. So we're at this precipice in this amazing place in history where we get to form this new world. Like the old system is collapsing, you guys, everybody like we all see it like everybody that's probably, you know, watching this can agree that this system is not sustainable. This is not sustainable, whether it's deliberate, whether they're deliberately intentionally trying to collapse this system, or if this is a kind of an organic collapsing of the system by virtue of its own merits, destroying itself because it's just inconceivably awful and evil and all these things like it's going away. And so we get to rebuild, we get to rebuild this new world and it may get a lot darker. It may get a lot scarier. It may get a lot, uh, you know, a lot worse and a lot harder to survive. Um, uh, before it's over, but at the end, there will be a rebuilding phase. And those of us that are, that are, you know, taking preparation, taking preparation and building community right now and, and kind of entrenching ourselves are going to be the ones that survive, survive to help create this new world, you know, and it's a pretty exciting proposition. You know, I'm pretty excited about it. So this is kind of what I was talking about on the union of the unwanted the other night. So it says here in the case of racial slavery in the American South, many slaves who were bred into a life of servitude, actually held the belief that slavery was not only a necessary price to pay for civilization, but it was also in their best interest. When reading, this is the title of a book, The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, one cannot help but notice the similarities between the brainwashing that he saw among the slaves in his time and the perspectives held by much of the modern American public 
although the slaves obviously had much more serious physical threats to contend with. In his autobiography, Douglas point, points out that slaves would often argue about who had the better and wealthier master. He also described how many slaves came to equate slavery with wealth, and many slaves, Douglas included, believed that in the absence of slavery, there would be no wealth, much in the same way that citizens today believe that there would be no peace or prosperity without government. That's just so powerful right there. Like even in the days of racial slavery in the United States, it, it was just commonly thought that, well, of course, we have to have slavery or else, or else wealth would not even exist. This is the only system that we have. It's hard to perceive anything outside of that, which is just fascinating. And the parallel that we can draw today that like just thinking like, well, we have to have government. Why do we have to have government? Why? Why? It's amazing. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking, you know, the roads argument and all this stuff, but hold on, hold on. It gets better. Uh, let's see. So Douglas included believed that in the absence of slavery, there would be no wealth, much in the same way that citizens today believe there would be no peace or prosperity without government. The book details how Douglas had to first remove the chains of mental slavery before he could escape his physical bondage. One of the most profound passages describes the moment when he finally experienced life in the northern states firsthand and learned that wealth could be achieved without slavery. You know, these are just like paradigm-shifting thoughts. You guys, this is like we're entering this new era where we're going to have to take the mental chains off and realize that we are our own individual sovereign beings beyond anything that's been programmed into us. And like, we have this amazing opportunity right now. So this is a quote from, uh, from D Douglas's writings himself. So Douglas wrote that quote, I had very strangely supposed while in slavery that few of the comforts and scarcely any of the luxuries of life were enjoyed at the North compared with what was enjoyed by the slaveholders of the South. I probably came to this conclusion from the fact that Northern people own no slaves. I suppose that they were about upon a level with the non-slaveholding population of the South. I knew they were exceedingly poor, and I had been accustomed to regard their poverty as the necessary consequence of their being non-slaveholders. I had somehow imbibed, imbibed the opinion that in the absence of slaves, there could be no wealth and very little refinement. And upon coming to the North, I expected to meet with a rough, hard-handed, and uncultivated population living in the most Spartan-like simplicity, knowing nothing of the ease, luxury, pomp, and grandeur of so Southern slaveholders. Such being my conjectures, anyone acquainted with the appearance of New Bedford may very readily infer how palpably I must have been, I must have seen my mistake. So, you know, I, there's so many parallels to what we're experiencing right now, you know, just the idea that... You know, can we even perceive a life outside of this? Like, can there be wealth? Can there be prosperity? Can there be functioning voluntary relationships with other humans that are trying to thrive and take care of their families with no government? Going on here, it says, in humanity's dark history, there were periods where gangs of men could own the lives of millions. Oh, I love this part. Okay, I'm going to start over. In humanity's dark history, there were periods where gangs of men could own the lives of millions by claiming to be given that right by a supernatural being right? The divine right to rule. You know, kings were given the, the authority to rule over large groups of people from a higher power, a god, or right, or whatever, whatever the reason was. You know, they were, they were uh, given this, this divine authority to rule. Once that excuse fell out of favor, once people would be like, hey, wait a minute, this motherfucker? Really? Hmm, I don't know about that. Once that excuse fell out of favor, the power-hungry authoritarians were forced to create new justifications for their authority. 
This desire for elite groups of individuals to rule over large areas of land and conquer the inhabitants within is what gave rise to our current political paradigm. The popular myth states that the people created things like governments and militaries as a compromise to create a mostly peaceful world. In reality, these organizations were all created by sophists and aristocrats, specifically intending to enslave entire populations. As the general public has become more intelligent, increasingly complex rationalizations for authoritarian powers have become necessary to keep the herd in line. Ideas like the social contract, the national interest, the common good, majority rule, and representative government have replaced the divine right of kings and the privilege of the aristocracy. In today's more sophisticated culture, it is necessary to make people believe they rule themselves in order to rule over them more effectively. This is why the rhetoric of the social control systems that we live under is riddled with euphemisms that hide the oppressive and violent nature of their existence. The mass murder of innocent people is called defense. Strong arm robbery is called taxation. Kidnap and extortion is called justice. And gangs of people who claim dominion over specific geographical locations are called governments. <laughs> oh, damn. Quote, government is itself another one of the world, the words that mean different things to different people. But when examined objectively, it becomes apparent that organizations known as government always maintain a monopoly on the use of force over a given territory. And if you step out of line, you're going to see yourself on the receiving end of that force. You know, we're seeing that right now all over the world. If you're not going with what the government says, then you will be met with the force of the government. You know, you hear that term a lot, that they have a monopoly on violence. The government has a monopoly on violence. They're the only ones that are allowed to carry out violence against you. And it's socially acceptable. It's socially acceptable to um, allow the government to take violent action against you. That's just what happens. Or if those are deemed are committing violence in the, for the right reason, then they are allowed to commit violence. So think about that, right? Think about that. If the government are the only ones that are allowed to commit violence, which historically that's been the case, that's one of the definitions of a government are the ones that are able to commit violence or exert their force without any sort of reprisal. So look at these like institutions or these organizations or factions or individuals or whatever it is that are allowed to carry out violence in our society today. Therefore, by extension, they are just literally extensions of the government. If they're allowed to act and carry out violence without any sort of reprisal, then that means that they are literally carrying out the function of the government. If the government's the only one allowed to carry out those acts. So think about that. Considering that this is the primary characteristic shared by all governments throughout history to describe the entity as anything other than a monopoly of violence is euphemistic and dishonest. So that's, that's, why don't we just shut down all the justifications for government and just revert back to this right here? Okay. The only thing that we can use to justify governments is uh, it's an entity that has a monopoly on violence. That's it. We are surrounded by a false definition of the word government, just as we are surrounded by a false definition of the word anarchy. We have been told that the word government is simply the, inevi the inevitable form civilized society takes, but this may be one of the most deceptive linguistic tricks used since the Dark Ages, as it implies that structure and organization will cease to exist in the absence of institutionalized violence and central planners. Since all governments share the common characteristic of establishing and promoting institutionalized violence, we can safely say that a lack of government would increase the opportunity for peace. In other words, when there is peaceful, spontaneous order in a society, there is anarchy. But when a society is organized around the constant threat of institutionalized violence, there is government. This is not to say that violence would never occur in a society without government, but it would not be justified and celebrated, nor would it be as widespread or powerful. Despite the obvious violence inherent 
in the institution of government, many people have a difficult time considering the possibility of a world without such a monopoly. When someone suggests that we simply do away with this unjust and unnecessary organization, they are typically met with negative reactions. This conversation often ends very quickly because both sides have completely different ideas of what the word government actually means. If we attempt to examine government from an outsider's perspective, we would see a world where people are grouped into two different categories, those in government and those that are not. At face value, we can see that these two groups of people have completely different standards and expectations, even though they are the same species and have the same basic needs. Looking closer, we can see that these different standards and laws are not neutral. And in fact, they are very much benefiting those in government at the expense of those who are not. The most important discrepancy to mention here is the fact that many government employees and agents of the state have the legal authority to steal, cage, or kill you, right? I mean, they have the legal authority, and there's very little things that are limiting them from carrying out that duty, you know? Um, one of the things I hear talked about a lot on, uh, like, if you guys you guys got to check out the legal man, uh, what's called the quash by legal man, you know, he talks a lot about the idea of, you know, who, who's putting it all on the line? You know, they're not risking anything. Government, government entities, they have, they're completely absolved of any of their actions. They can carry out whatever dictatorial or whatever things that they want to do without any repercussions. Whereas we, every time we go toe to toe or head to head with the state, we risk everything. We put it all on the line, our freedom, our lives, everything we put on the line and they don't risk a damn thing. So consider that, you know, all these actions that we take and I'm not advocating against like not protesting or anything like that. You guys know me. I'm born for the horn, baby. I'm out there all the time. But it's like, you know, we put it all out on the line against an enemy that puts nothing on the line. They don't have to risk a damn thing. So anyway, so let's see. Almost done here. There's like another page left. And then, you know, so it says, all right. So however, if you ask any random person on the street to define government for you, they will likely repeat the propaganda taught in government school. You know, the tale about how government is the backbone of civilization and the means by which people in the community come together for mutually beneficial projects. This may sound good, but it isn't at all true because the government does not produce anything and would not be able to provide any services if it wasn't for the resources forcibly extracted for the re from the rest of society. <laughs> so they don't do shit. They sit on their asses on their little marble countertops or their marble little elevated platforms and, and these big halls, and they don't do shit. All they do is they take from you. They just get to say, hey, look at all that nice stuff that guy has. Let's take that shit. All right? Uh, let's see. This may sound good, but it isn't true at all because the government does not produce anything and would not be able to provide any services if it wasn't for the resources forcibly extracted from all of you out there. All of us. Right? So how do we do that? How do we break this? How do we break this uh, relationship like this is this is a this is a breakup this is i mean we gotta just throw it in the trash man so we have thank god alternative institutions thank god we are building these parallel societies thank god we are building these counter economic uh protocols you know thank god it's happening and it really is happening if you guys aren't plugged in in your own communities you know there's solutions you know and we'll all get to that at the end of all this okay so therefore it is safe to say that all functions that are currently being carried out by the organization known as government could actually be better served by individuals in the community working together for common goals without the middleman, since all the resources and labor is coming from them to begin with, right? So the money to do this stuff is coming from us. Well, you know, we would, you know, obviously all the trillions that are getting printed from the Federal Reserve, you know, and just using the fractional reserve banking system to generate just endless amounts of wealth and all the accounting tricks they do behind closed doors to generate this money. 
But I would argue that that money isn't probably being put back into the economy. That's being squealed away somewhere else. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. But but yes. But in theory, okay, so all of our taxes are being siphoned off into the government. So the money's coming from us to begin with. And the labor to do it's coming from us to begin with. So we could just literally cut out the middleman entirely. Why do we even need that separate entity inflicting their will on us at the barrel of a gun? Voluntary trade, charity, and other peaceful methods of interacting would create a far better society than the one we see today. The most common argument against having a stateless society is the notion that we are all stupid, worthless savages who would not be able to figure out how to build something as simple as a road if there wasn't someone with a gun in our face every step of the way, telling us how, when, and where to do it. But if people are stupid savages and politicians are people, then isn't the government made up of a bunch of stupid savages who should not be trusted with a license to kill? If we are all equal and supposedly incapable of governing ourselves, why should we trust other incompetent people to rule over us? Of course, we know this to be propaganda spread by the powers that wish they were. There is nothing that a government can do to you and a large group of focused individuals that a focused group of individuals cannot accomplish. The government doesn't provide services. They simply take money from everyone and use as a small portion to sell back services to the people. Looked at in these terms, it becomes apparent that the government is nothing more than a violent middleman who forces their way into nearly every interaction that takes place between each of its so-called citizens. Everything that the government does is an attack on the people who don't belong to that organization. Now, before I even go any further, one of the beautiful things about this, you guys, is like we don't have to overthrow a government. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to be violent against them. That's the whole point is that the whole beautiful thing about this whole strategy and everything is that we – don't have to lift a finger against them. We don't have to do anything. It shouldn't even matter what they do. All we have to do is collectively, all of you, all of us, all of us that are in this place right now today that are of the same mindset, all we have to do is just say no and disconnect and build our own. Build our own thing in our communities, okay? Talks about the mutual exchange, the counter-economics, the parallel structures, you know? We're seeing it right now so much in our community with like the homeschooling thing. You know, we, we've decided that that is a service that we no longer wish to support. And there's so many people in our community that are pulling their kids out and doing it the right way. Like the root school that we talked to down in, in Medford, um, you know, here, here in Eugene, you know, I know a lot of you folks are getting involved with, with the homeschooling side of it. You know, that's a great example of taking back your power and, and finding uh, strength in, in building your own community. You know, and so fine. If they want to, give shots to five-year-old kids in a school. If they want to put masks, you know, 10, 30 freaking masks on the kids, man, that shouldn't affect us at all. That shouldn't affect us at all because we've detached and built our own, you know, and I know a lot of you are doing that. Almost done, guys. If you think about it, every single action the government takes is some kind of punitive measure against people who are not part of the club. Even when the government claims to do something for the goodwill of all people, they are doing so with resources collected by using threats and violence. There's no such thing as a virtuous act of government. <laughs> There's no such thing as a virtuous act of government, folks. This organization is not here to protect our rights. In fact, when the government steps in and gives itself the responsibility to protect your rights, it is simultaneously stripping you of your ability to defend yourself. When you are dependent upon the whims and capabilities of another human being to protect your rights, you are literally handing your rights over to them and, and opening yourself to slavery. Although there are only a few examples of stateless societies and communities throughout history that we know of, this should not be seen as a failure of anarchistic philosophy. The lack of examples says more about the primitive condition of the human race thus far than it does about the possibility of a stateless society. 
So we're evolving, folks. We're on the cusp of a major level up. Major level up. Humanity is constantly accomplishing feats and smashing paradigms previously believed to be impossible. So to say that a society without institutionalized violence is impossible because there are not many historical examples is to say that our current state of affairs is the pinnacle of human achievement. This is obviously a naive, arrogant, and blatantly false worldview which has been projected onto the entire planet through the institutions and conventions established by those who claim ownership over other free human beings. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it is hard to imagine. It's so impossible to break out of the mindset that we don't need these violent institutions ruling over us because we are legitimately sovereign, free human beings at its very core. That's the only thing that we have. The only thing that we have for sure, for certain that I know 100% is that we are free human beings and we have free souls and free consciousness. And anything that even gets close to infringing on that is, 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 is non-human, anti-human. And, uh, you know, like when you get the people on The View, what's that lady's name? Whatever the hell, saying that, oh, you believe your freedoms are more important than the greater good or whatever the fuck. That should be terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. The fact that that's even in the conversation is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. That's, again, just instruments of the establishment exerting their – trying to propagandize us to realize that, that our freedoms are, are – are not even that important when that is really the only important thing right now. And, and always these institutions and conventions are the very reason why many people have such a distorted view of words like government and anarchy. Our cultural norms have been handed down from those in power. So it is only natural that these norms reflect the needs and interests of the power structure rather than the needs of the people, right? <laughs> these things are handed down to us from the government. So of course it's going to reinforce and legitimize the government it's not going to reinforce and legitimize us as individuals and our rights. Therefore, the perceptions of government and anarchy that many of us have adopted are not accurate descriptions of reality, but simply a description of the world as seen through the eyes of our rulers. In a system of government, our rulers have infinite power and control. In the absence of government, they are forced to live by the same rules and standards as everybody else. The ill-informed will make the mistake of believing that anarchy means without rules. But what is truly meant is without centralized authority ruling over others. And that is just the most important thing to take away, I would say, is that the idea of anarchy is not the idea of no rules, as they would like for you to think, you know, just like Mad Max style, no rules. It's no rulers. You know, it's still based on the principles of natural law, you know, natural law. You don't you don't harm other people, you know, you don't trespass, you know, it's, it's, this is no victim, no crime type stuff, which we can, that's a whole nother topic probably for another day, the idea of natural law, you know, but, uh, the idea of no rulers is the key here, right? Not no rules, no rulers. Last paragraph in the eyes of a tyrant, a world without complete dominion over the lives of others is a life of lawlessness, chaos, and disorder. This perspective does not reflect reality, but instead reflects the deranged worldview that drives the parasitic state and corporate classes. This is why a peaceful term like anarchy has such a negative social stigma, while a word like government is seen as benign and unquestion a benign and unquestionable construct of nature. It's just natural, right? We have adopted the language and worldview of our oppressors. It's time for the free hearts and minds of the world to overcome the fear of freedom, reject the authoritarians and statists, and begin governing ourselves. I mean, I get chills. I get chills just even thinking about this, you guys. Like, it's powerful. You know, this is a great book, The Conscious Resistance Trilogy, Derek Bros, John Vibes. 
you know, a lot of great things to unpack out of it. But, you know, so how do we do this? How do we do this? Those of you that listen to the show a lot uh, over the last like couple of years, you will know that we talk a lot about the freedom cells, freedom cells movement. Again, ironically, also started by, believe it or not, Derek Bros and John Bush. Um, they started the freedom cells movement, I believe in 2016, 2016, 2017. So you go to freedomcells.org and you look for a cell, a freedom cell in your community, right? They've got a whole map and you can kind of just see if there's one in your geographical area and, and go see if there's one that's already been started. The odds are if you live in like a kind of a relatively populated area, there's probably a, a group already there. So you just reach out and try to get connected with those people. Those people are already on the level. Those people are already making moves. Those people are already working on building this counter society. And, uh, you know, so our, our story is that basically that's, that's what we did. So this, oh man, it was probably a little over a year ago. I don't know, maybe the end of last summer, last fall, somewhere around there. So we, I went, I started, you know, I first heard about this on the Corbett report about the freedom cells. And so I went to, um, freedomcells.org and there wasn't one in our community. There was one up in Portland and I think there was one in Southern Oregon, but, uh, there was not one here in Eugene. So what we did, well, we actually went up and we went to the one up in Portland. So shout out to all of you up in Portland, the Portland uh, free thinkers, man. Like they got a really special thing going on. And so we went and we kind of walked into our first freedom cell meeting. And it was like 40 people in the room. And I walked in and like, uh, I think it was Megan and I went to that first one. And then Ed and I went to another one, but anyway, walked into the room and like, you know, we were a little late. So they were already deep in conversation and they were talking about like, chemtrails and the stuff they're spraying in the sky. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then like the conversation turned to like CIA mind control experience. I'm like, okay, we're home. We're home. We did it. No masks, not a mask in sight. I was like, yes. Okay. I was so fired up that we came down here and we started our own little freedom cell group right here in Eugene. And, uh, that really got its own momentum quite a bit. So we just, we were having meetups like 30, 40 people right in the middle of like the madness last fall. Like, you know, where we had to like meet in the park. We found one facility that let us meet like very like, ugh, like I felt like we were like in Nazi Germany, like meeting very underground. Like, oh my God, it was crazy. It was insane, but we did it, you know, and there was so many good connections came out of that. Um, you know, we started interacting with other groups that had formed, you know, around the area. So like shout out to People's Rights, Oregon, um, breathe free lane County is another big organization. So these groups kind of just, uh, 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 Weston, a price foundation, you know, like a lot of these organizations came up and came together and, uh, kind of people started networking and then it's really turned into something special here in our community. Now, granted the freedom cell piece, we've kind of slipped off, but I feel like a lot of people have kind of like, like we aren't doing regular freedom cell meetups in our particular freedom cell, but I feel like a lot of those people have found homes with like breathe free lane County people's rights. So like what happened was, is like, we start, we did this big festival called manifest manifest, which was born out of this freedom cell movement. So we all got together and did this awesome, like whole weekend with, with, with speakers, you know, Matt Landman was there, Dr. Paul Thomas, Bob Snee, uh, Tim James. Like we had guest speakers. We had live music, like right in the middle of the summer, dude, it was so awesome and powerful. There was like probably a hundred people that came and camped out. And that was just the first one. So we will be doing manifest 2022. So all of you out there, wherever you're at in the world, Plan on mid-July 2022, manifest, manifest second round. We're going to be, it's a little bit south of Portland, Oregon. So if you have a way to get out to Portland, Oregon, come party with us because it's going to be off the hook this time. We've already started preliminary, preliminary talks about it. So this is the type of stuff we're doing in our community, you guys. So really want to encourage all of you out there. You know, if you're feeling alone and lonely, especially that's the huge part of this is like, 
throughout of this, I haven't felt alone at all through any of this because we've we've taken conscious, deliberate efforts to build community. You know, having the the podcast and all the guests and all the listeners that have reached out, and you know, some of them started their own podcasts and now they're building their own little thing. You know, shout out the False Reality Check, Adam and Deborah gets red pilled. You know, all you guys that are just doing the deal too, spreading truth, spreading information, just fearless about it. You know, it's spitting in the face of authority. You know, this is what we're doing. It's an amazing, powerful thing that we get to do and we're building this new world. So you guys, you're not alone. I don't care where you're at. You're not alone. And uh, if you are feeling alone, like just, there are ways to build community. There are ways to find connection wherever you're at. And I would say Freedom Cells is a great way to do it. Um, from there, we got plugged in with a whole bunch of other Telegram groups. So it kind of builds off of there. So I'd say if you go to freedomcells.org and you don't see a Freedom Cell in your community, it is incumbent upon you to start one. Start one. You may not think you have leadership skills or you might be a little fearful about doing it. None of that matters. You just make a page and put a little dot on the map. And if you build it, they will come. Because there's a lot of people talking about the Freedom Cells movement right now. And there's a lot of people that are showing up to the site. And think about it. If you show up to the site and there's nothing in your community and you just walk away and log out, that's what everybody else is doing too. You know, so you could be that person that changes and then just, you could be the person that, that creates that change in your community. You can create this whole magical ripple effect that who knows how far it's going to go. So these are really powerful times, you know, right now we're laying the foundation for this new world. And as this, this, this old world collapses, that's great. Let it collapse. The more they push, you guys don't get caught up in all the psyop of it because they're going to push. They are dying right now. They're a scared cornered caged animal and they're going to go balls to the wall you know they're going to commit false flags they're going to terrorize and destroy and use them they're going to maximize all their propaganda and mind control and like on their social media and on the tv and they're going to come at you harder than you've ever been hit before you just you can just disconnect and not worry about any of that you don't have to let any of that affect you because we're spending all our time focusing on building our community and building our new better right screw all that other stuff um, other things I want to point you guys to, Derek's got this thing called the Greater Reset. Uh, I know that they're doing another whole present. They've already done a couple of Greater Reset presentations. Um, so definitely go to the greaterreset.org.com. Um, Just search for the Greater Reset, not the Great Reset, the greaterreset.com. Um, ah, shit. Anyway, um... Oh, so just big shout out to Derek. They got a lot going on here, man. Okay. The greater reset.org. That's what it is. Okay. So that's January 26th through the 30th. Um, another big five day discussion. Um, <laughs> I just really want to shout out all the work that Derek's doing, man. Like it's just amazing stuff. So, um, yeah. And he's coming on the show here in a couple weeks, guys. And I know he just, he was just on tinfoil hat and last American vagabond. So he writes with last American vagabond too. So, you know, yeah, you guys, like, so that, that's that's what I wanted to say. Like, I, I kind of started to say all this stuff on the Union of the Unwanted the other night. I obviously didn't get the full chance to unpack all of my thoughts, uh, but I really wanted to, it felt like like a really strong desire to come on here and talk to you guys a little bit more about kind of what I've been ruminating on, you know what I mean? Because this is hard stuff. This is crazy stuff. Like, I'll admit it, dude, I've been neck deep in all this truth stuff for a long time, and I've just, and, and all the people, a lot of the people I look up to, you know, like, like, are already way further down the road than I am. And I'm just starting to see the light, this whole idea of, you know, anarchistic self-governance, right? And not having rulers, not having authority, not having government, crazy ideas, crazy concepts. And I really am excited to dive more into this. But anyway, guys, uh, I think that's it for tonight. So thank you so much for chilling with me. Um, 
I don't know what happened with the freaking Rockfin stream. I see there's people there, uh, but I don't know. There's no video. I don't know if the video is going. So anyway, guys, all right, peace. That rockfin shit still going. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey guys, how you doing? I don't know why this stupid thing is not working. Oh man, Ugh. let's see. Can I get it to stop?